Well, good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. Hope you're doing well today. Uh, you, uh, many of you know Cynthia. Cynthia is uh, my wife, and uh, uh, she, but she is also, many of you may not know, uh, we co-founded Hilton Head Island Community Church together. And um, so I've asked Cynthia to join me as we pray. I, I don't know about you, but uh, our world is a very, very, uh, is in a place where it's very confusing and complex. And sometimes we just need to pray and ask for God to lead us. So we thought before we dive in to today's message that we would just pray and ask for God's Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us as Christ followers and as, and as the church. So would you join us as we pray this morning? Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity for a new day for each one of us. And God, we admittedly live in a world where there is strife and division, and there are so many issues. There are so many issues that are so confusing and complex. And in our world, I pray that you would help us as Christ followers to first and foremost be led by your Holy Spirit. Father, may we, your people, hear from you above all things, above all voices, Above all words, God, may we hear from you. And I pray that our response as Christ followers to the difficult decisions and uh, complex situations of our world, Father, I pray that it would be bathed in prayer, that we would be people who follow your Holy Spirit's leading and guiding in our lives. And Father, I pray that you would remind us that it is our job as your children to follow you in the way that you loved us. God, may we love the world in the way that you loved us. And Father, I pray that you would help us to above everything listen to your Holy Spirit and that we as your church may act in love to the difficult issues of today. And Father, we are here with our arms open, ready to follow your lead. And Father God, as Todd and I moved here 15 years ago to plant this church. God, you called on both of us and my role creatively and operationally alongside Todd. I just pray, God, in the strong name of Jesus, we would continue to be the church that you've called us to be. Mm-hmm. And Father, I pray that for each and every one of us that called this our church home, God, that we would go forward from this moment today, even if we haven't in the past, but to truly live out that love, that grace, and mercy, God, that you called us to. And God, when you planted this church 15 years ago, the call to this church was to be a loving community where anyone was welcome, Mm -hmm. that all of us are broken, all of us are flawed. And this is a place where we all can come together in the unity of the cross. And I pray today that we will be one No matter how we feel, no matter the things that we feel about in our hearts that are so important, God, let nothing distract from the message that Jesus Christ has come to save. Mm. And that God sent his son to do that for each and every one of us. And that is our message. Mm. And that is our mission, Father, to always be people of love, Mm. grace, and mercy. Mm. And that we would reflect the fact that God loves us with an everlasting love. And those that we interact with our neighbors, our friends, um, our children, our moms, our dads, all of our relationships, God, that we would be people of love and grace and mercy. 
And I pray that we would take those steps today to do that. Even as we've prepared our hearts in worship as Josh and Harper led us. God, I pray that as Todd shares with us the message that you have given him to share with us, let us have eyes to see and ears to hear the heart of the truth that you want to say to us today as your word is open to us. God, let us take this time today to recenter as we begin our week, focusing our heart and mind on who you are and what you've done, and let us leave this place, God, and even in this moment, God, let us be people of grace, people of love, God, people of the cross that know and believe and act out that love that you so willingly and graciously did when you sent Jesus for us. We pray that this morning, and everyone said, amen. 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 Cynthia, thank you so much. Um, If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, as we continue in our series, it's week two of our series called Short Stories, as we're studying the parables of Jesus. Now, um, just kind of as a way of review, there are roughly 40 parables of Jesus, and we're going to cover all of them every single week for 40 weeks. I'm kidding. Uh, Anyway, we're going to cover just a variety of different uh, parables that Jesus used, and I don't know about you, but um, stories for me are incredibly powerful. Aren't they for you? When you hear a story of someone whose life has been changed by something, that's where the power comes in, and the power comes in in the story. And Jesus tells stories to drive home a point. He uses these earthly stories that have a specific, uh, they have a specific heavenly meaning. And so today we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 13, and we're going to be looking at how Jesus told this story about a fruit tree called a fig tree. Now, I'm just going to ask you this morning, for those of you here in the house, by the way, thank you for being here today in the house. Thanks for those of you who are out on the backstage patio on this amazing summer day. You guys have the best seats in the house. And thanks for those of you who are joining us online. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you have ever uh, planted and grown a fruit tree? All right. How many of you have ever planted and grown a fruit tree? All right. How many of you have ever killed a fruit tree right here. I'm raising my hand, all right? Double. Uh, so um, planting a fruit tree is a very interesting thing. Um, my parents uh, had some fruit trees and my grandparents had some fruit trees. Uh, I decided that I would grow my, you know, I'd have my grass in my yard and weeds. And that's about all I can do, all right? So occasionally the potted plant that happens to live uh, because I'm not really good at taking care of things. So Um, pray for the fruit tree if I ever plant it. But Jesus talked about a fig tree, and he talks about a fig tree as an illustration in our lives here in Luke chapter 13. Now, just as a way of a little bit of context here in Luke chapter 12, Jesus is having this discussion about his second coming, and he's having this discussion about the end times, and he's having this discussion about judgment. And there's one thing that is really interesting uh, about those topics is that Jesus had to use this illustration because his, his followers and his hearers really struggled to understand it. Now, can we all admit the topics of his second coming and the end times and judgment, those are not easy to understand, am I right? And so Jesus was talking about these things, and he wanted to give a specific illustration to help give them an understanding of what those things were all about. And so he used this parable, the parable of the unfruitful fig tree. Now, um, there's something interesting, and I didn't know this, so I had to study it, because fig trees are used all throughout the Bible. Um, How many of you like figs, by the way? You guys like figs? Okay, I'm going to give you a little factoid. Figs are 55% sugar. 
All right. So next time you're eating a fig and you're like, I eat healthy, 55% sugar. Okay, just saying. So go ahead and have that, you know, Hershey bar instead. All right, that's what I'd say. Anyway, uh, but they're full of vitamins and minerals, so keep on with your figs. But anyway, so fig trees are interesting because they um, don't need pollination. They're self-pollinating trees, and they produce up to two uh, different times a year. They produce in the summer, and then they produce also in the spring. And in the Bible, the fig tree is mentioned, get this, over 200 different times the fig tree is mentioned. Isn't that interesting? So Jesus uses the fig tree over and over again. In fact, several of his parables use the fig tree to give us an illustration about uh, growth and about the end times and about different things. And so in this case, he's trying to drive home the point about the end times and about the coming of the age. And he's also trying to drive home the point that um, we need to be used. And so he uses the fig tree to describe these different things. And so let's take a look at Luke chapter 13. I don't know if many of you noticed right now, but my iPad is uh, not working right now. So I'm going to look it up, and I'm going to be looking at the screens as you guys are too. So um, Luke chapter 13, again, Jesus is describing all the different things about the end times, and he says this. He says, and he told this parable, a man had a fig tree, and he planted it in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it, and he found none. So far, I'm with him. I get it, right? So far, I understand. No fruit on the fruit tree, right? He said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now, I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. He says this, he says, why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, and he said, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. I bet you never thought you'd hear the word manure on a Sunday morning, but it's in the Bible, okay? So that's right there. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good, but if not, you can cut it down. Now just like any good story, this story has several different characters. There's three very obvious characters in this story. And I think that we can learn something from these three characters. But I also think there's a fourth character that I'm going to talk about at the end of today's message that I think is probably the most important character in this whole story of this fig tree. Now, let's talk about the tree, first of all. The tree is the first character. Some of you might be having flashbacks of your college English class right now. That's okay. All right, so the, the fig tree is, is us. And the fig tree all throughout Scripture is used to describe God's people. I love that. It's used in the Old Testament to describe the nation of Israel, and it's used in the New Testament to describe God's people. And I don't know if you understand this, but it's so interesting because when you and I accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, thank you so much, Cynthia. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, it's interesting because we are grafted in with the nation of Israel. We are joined together with God's people. That's one of the great benefits of being a Christ follower, is that every time in Scripture when you see the nation of Israel mentioned or you see God's people mentioned, that's talking about those of us who are Christ followers. But here's the thing. As Christ followers, you and I, you know what we're, we're called to do? We're called to bear fruit. We are called to bear fruit. That's what we are supposed to do. We are supposed to bear fruit. And the scripture talks all throughout scripture. We see our, our encouragement to bear fruit. Now, there's a passage of scripture that's amazing on this. And I absolutely love it. And it comes uh, in John chapter 15. 
And in John 15, we could have a whole message series on John 15 because Jesus is telling the story, giving another parable about the vineyard and the vine dresser. If you've ever been to a vineyard, it's an amazing thing to see a vineyard work and to see what goes on there. Cynthia and I took our first trip to Napa, our only trip to Napa Valley a few years ago, and it came alive to see what happens on those vineyards and to see what happens with all the details. And Jesus uses the story of a vineyard to talk about how we are to be connected to him, but also how and why we are supposed to bear fruit. I want you to check this out in John chapter 15, 16. He says this, and this is to us as Christ followers. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whenever you ask, excuse me, whatever you ask the Father's name, he may give it to you. So what are we called to do as Christ followers? We are called to bear fruit. And Jesus is using this illustration of the fig tree first and foremost to describe that you and I are not supposed to be like a tree that I might plant in my yard all by myself and it would die and it would just sit there and be bared. We exist to bear fruit. We exist to glorify God. We exist to expand his kingdom and to to, uh, glorify him. And so the story of the fig tree means, and the story of the parable of the fig tree, first and foremost, is us as the tree bearing fruit. So my question to you today, right at the top, is what fruit are you bearing? What kind of things are you producing for God's kingdom? What are you doing to make a difference in eternity? What are you doing to make a difference in this world for Jesus? What are you doing for the gospel? Because that's what it means to bear fruit. It means that we are involved in what God is doing, that we are at work for him, that we are at work for his kingdom, as we talked about last week. And so we have the tree, and you and I are the tree. But the second character in the story is the owner. And it's the man that stops by in his own vineyard, and, and, and he stops by and he asks a question, why isn't this tree bearing fruit? And that's a picture of God. And you see, here's the thing. God entrusts us, he equips us, and he expects us to bear much fruit. Uh, I grew up in a home where my dad, he, was a tra- he traveled and he was a salesman. I guess you could say he was a traveling salesman. And he would leave on Monday and he would come back on Friday almost every week of my life. He was gone all the time. And he was an amazing provider. And I always knew that my dad loved me. But I'll tell you this. My dad, as much as I knew that he loved me, he had high expectations for me. And from the time I can remember, probably like six or seven years old, my job was to make sure that the yard was in good shape. And every Friday or every Saturday when he came home, guess what he would do? He would what? He would inspect the yard. I heard it said um, that we should always inspect what we expect. Man, my dad was really good at that. He really inspected what he expected of me as his son. And so I knew that when he came home on Fridays that we would go out either Friday night or we would go out Saturday morning. We would look at the yard, and about half the time I had done a great job. All right? So, no, I'm just kidding. It was much more than that. But I knew that my dad loved me, but I also knew that he expected a lot of me. And see, those two things, listen, don't miss this. Those two things can be the same at the same time. They're two different things that he may love us, God may love us, and he may have a high expectation, and they can both be true at the same time. 
God loves us, but he also expects us to use what he has given us for his kingdom and for his kingdom work. He expects us to do what's good for his kingdom. No longer, he says, do I call you servants. And this is verse 15, right before uh, verse 16 that we just read. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. Jesus is essentially telling us that he is on mission from his father. And that his job is to pass along his mission to us. And see, we are to be bearing much fruit for him. So we have the tree, and that's us. We have the owner of the land, the owner of the vineyard, and that's God. And then the third character we have here is the gardener, the one who is the vine dresser, the one who is to take care of the vineyard and nurture the vineyard. And this, as you probably have already figured out, this is Jesus. And this is my favorite character in the story because the gardener, Jesus, he nourishes us and he cares for us. But I want you to hear this today because I think that many of you need to hear that he always sees our greatest potential to bear fruit. And I'm guessing that there are some of you who may have walked in here today or back on the backstage patio or maybe listening online and you have been beaten up by the world. You've been like kind of chopped up and spit out by the world and things have happened to you and to your past and you may feel like you have maybe even been told that you are no good in God's kingdom but I want to tell you that it doesn't matter what has happened yesterday it doesn't matter what has happened in your past Jesus sees your potential he sees your future and he desires for you to be used for the kingdom of God regardless of what has happened yesterday. He sees that in you and he wants that for you. He is the gardener and he sees your potential. There's this great story where Jesus once again uses a fig tree to illustrate some different things and it actually comes right before he goes into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday when he's about ready to go to the cross. He's about ready to die a brutal death and then rise again three days later for, uh, uh, to save us and to defeat death. And he's walking from Bethany with his disciples, and his disciples are following him. And he makes an observation in Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 14, that he circles back around in, another, in a few verses later. Check this out, verse uh, 12 of Mark chapter 11. On the following day, they came from Bethany, and he was hungry. Man, I'm kind of glad that Jesus was hungry while he was on earth because that makes me feel better about my appetite sometimes. Anyway, all right, so Jesus is hungry. I can be hungry, right? So verse 13, and seeing in the distance a fig uh, tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but, what's that? Leaves. All he found is just leaves, no fruit. For it was not in season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. He said to the fig tree, and his disciples heard that. And then later on we read this, because Jesus wanted to come back to that point. He wanted them to hear him because he wanted to come back to that point. Look at verse 20 of Mark chapter 11. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. They've been to my house. Anyway, and Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed, it is withered. 
But here's what Jesus answered. I want you to check this out in verse 22. He answered them, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever sees this mountain, uh, uh, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he said will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, he says, whatever you ask, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. See, I think that Jesus dropped this little hint about the fig tree to cause his disciples to come back around the next day and go, hey, look at that fig tree. It got even worse so that Jesus could go, hey, guys, stop just a second. I want you to know that that tree can still produce fruit. And listen, Christ follower, church, he says the same thing about you and about me. He sees our potential when no one else does. When the world kind of renders us useless, when the world renders us dead, when, he, when the world says that we, all we have are dried, rotten roots, Jesus says, no, I see what you can become. But you don't understand, Jesus, I did this and such. Don't you think he knows that? And he still wants to use you for his kingdom. And I want you to know today that whatever you've been told, whoever has told you that you can't be used, whoever has said that you're too much this or you're too little of this, nothing else matters other than what the Savior thinks of you. And he sees your potential. And that's the story of the fig tree. The vine dresser, the one who is gardening the, 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 the vineyard, the one who is taking care and nourishing and making sure that it was plentiful, he's the one that is closest to it. And he's the one that's closest to you. And he's the one that sees that you can be used by God. But i got to be honest with you. The whole point of this particular parable is a little bit more geared towards the fourth character. And it's a character that I believe is a silent character. It's not a character that's really talked about in this, except for one little verse. And it's the character of time. Time is a silent character in this particular parable. And if we are still breathing, Jesus is not done with us. And I think that's the real story about this particular fig tree and how it relates to you and me is that time is this double-edged sword. It's quickly ticking, ticking, ticking away. And yet at the same time, we want to think that we have all the time in the world left. We just sang about the one who was and the one who is and the one who is to come. And there's no coincidence that Jesus used this parable right on the heels of talking to his disciples and the people who would hear him about the end times and about his second coming. And essentially what he's saying is time is short, so we must act with urgency. But the other side of the coin is, the other side of that double-edged sword is, is that you still can be used by God, Jesus still, even if you don't think you have much time, he will use you if you're willing. First Thessalonians 5 verse 2 says, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. See, this could happen in a moment's notice. 
the coming of the Lord could happen so quickly, like a thief in the night. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is using another illustration when he talks about a thief coming into a house. And in that particular instance, he, he says uh, this. He says, therefore, stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For, what you do not, for you do not know on what day the Lord is coming. But he says, know this, that if the master of the house had known in part of what the, uh, in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and he would have let him, he wouldn't have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be what? What's that next word? You must also be, say it with me, ready. And that's the point that Jesus is trying to drive home in the story of the unfruitful fig tree, is that while time is on his side, it's not on ours. And that we need to act with urgency and that we need to be ready at any moment for his return. Listen, church, Christ follower, we're not promised tomorrow, are we? We're not promised tomorrow. And for the time that we have here, whether it's another 80 years in this earth, Please, Lord, help us. Anyway, if it's another you know, eight minutes on this earth, for the time that we have, we, as God's people, need to act with a sense of urgency. Now, I want to also say this. Now more than ever is the time for the church to put its money where its mouth is. It's time for us to serve and to love. That's the work that Jesus talked about and Cynthia prayed about earlier today. That's the work that God the Father put him on mission for. And we, in so many ways, are his, his hands and his feet. Jesus was skin onto this world. And our job in being ready for his return, in being ready for tomorrow, our job in all of that is for us to love and to serve like Jesus did. And so my final question to you today is, are you spiritually ready for his return? Are you spiritually prepared for him to come back? Are you spiritually prepared that today might very well be your last day on this earth and my last day on this earth? That shouldn't be something that saddens us. That shouldn't be something that puts us in a dark place. As a matter of fact, it should be something that spurs us on to do the work of loving the world the way that Jesus loved the world. It should be something that challenges us to serve the world the way that Jesus served the world. Are you ready for his return? Father, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would help us to not be an unfruitful fruit tree, God, I pray that we would understand that you are a loving and gracious and merciful God and that there is no one else who loves us the way that you do. But at the same time, you're our Father and you've given us certain rights, you've given us certain inheritances, you've given us, given us certain gifts, you've given each one of us a certain amount of time of talent and of treasure and father you expect much of your people I pray that you would challenge us right now as we consider if we're ready challenge us 
to be used by you in the way that you want us to be used by you. Father, I pray for those within the sound of my voice who um, they may be teeming with fruit. They're healthy spiritually. They're connected to to the vine. They're connected to you. They're receiving nutrients. They're receiving all the things that they need to bear much fruit. But they just haven't let go of using their time and their talent and their treasure. They haven't let go of using it for selfish gain. And Father, I pray that you would challenge those who are in this room and those who are on the backstage patio and those who are listening or watching at home, Father, who have not quite gotten to that place where they're being used by you. God, I pray that they would be used by you, that you would allow them to just let go of those amazing things that you've given them. God, would they let it be used for your glory, for your kingdom, for the furthering of your kingdom. And Father, I pray for those Christ followers who maybe the world has beat them up, maybe someone in their life said there's no way God can use you because of this. Maybe there's self-doubt in their mind that they're done. And Father, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit right now would speak against that and remind them that you are for them. Remind them that you see their potential. Remind them that when When you see them, you don't see their sin. You see hope. You see a future. Father, I pray in the strong name of Jesus for those who may not have accepted you yet as their Savior. God, I pray that right now your Holy Spirit would reach them. They might say yes to you. That if they really were honest question about being spiritually prepared is a resounding no. And Father, I pray that they would give their life to you. In fact, if you're in this room, backstage patio at home, listening, watching, and you've never given your life to to Christ, that's the first step to be spiritually prepared is to, to simply put your faith and your trust in the one who came to die for you, for your sins. See, God sent his son to die on the cross, to take your sins and mine, the sins of the whole world, and to carry them, to take care of them, to remove them so that you can have a relationship with God. He rose again from the dead, defeating death so that you know that one day you can have eternal life with God if you put your trust in him. And right now I'm going to pray a prayer out loud for those of you who have never put your trust in Jesus. And I want to invite you. I want to challenge you to pray a prayer that's something like this. If you want to become a Christ follower, you could just pray it in the quietness of your heart. It goes something like this. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Father, I thank you that you died for me and for my sins. And right now, I choose to believe you. I choose to trust in you to be my Savior.
If you prayed that prayer along with me and you're here in the house or on the backstage patio, I would love to talk with you afterwards. There's going to be a Stephen minister in the backstage to my right over here. I, I want to encourage you to go in backstage and talk to someone about your decision. If you're watching online, you can fill out uh, one of the uh, connection cards or just contact us by email or DM us, letting you know, letting us know of your decision today. Father, I pray that you would help us to be people who bear much fruit. God, that we would um, that we would take seriously our role in your kingdom's work. In fact, I pray that you would help us to not take ourselves too seriously, but Father, I pray that we would take our life and our work for you seriously. Help us to live for you and help us to bear much fruit. In Jesus' name, I pray. And all God's people said, amen.